Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 67 of Unblocking Crypto. Al, great to see you as always. Good think, to see you, Jason. I think the uh, important thing to talk about that just is somewhat hot off the wire was the SEC's response to Coinbase after Coinbase gave him 10 days. And the short version was SEC pretty much came back and told Coinbase, no, they weren't going to respond. <laughs> Great response. Thanks for the <laughs> guidance. <laughs> yeah. So they said they still, uh, this is a very complicated issue and they're going to take their time. Shocker. No, I'm not surprised. Right. I mean, this is what they've been doing the entire time, not doing anything, but it, man, it is definitely frustrating. Yeah, I'm listening to Gary Gensler talk in that committee hearing a few weeks ago where they'd ask him a question and he'd just dance around it. You know, they're, they're either just not prepared to to do anything or they're just kicking the can down the road. I think Stanley Drunkenmiller had a thing where he spoke about Bitcoin in the U.S. And he said the regulatory environment is so unclear and shaky and that with the expectation that it's going to go against you if you're into Bitcoin, that it's kind of driving things away or or suppressing Bitcoin in, in development in the US. The SEC basically said, yeah, he's right. Like, we're, we're not ready for this. Why, why aren't they just ready? I, why don't they get ready? Bitcoin hasn't changed in 13 years. Yeah, well, so they've been really busy. They just won a case against uh, Library, LBRY, and probably nobody has even heard of this company right i mean they made a little bit of money in in selling a security according to the sec they were initially the sec was requesting i think 22 million dollars as a fine from library and they've now changed that to hundred and eleven thousand dollars as a fine which library pretty much came out and said with the cost of litigation and the sec fine they're pretty much gonna have to shut the doors so all the SEC, uh, SEC did was was kill this one little project, and they have yet to come up with any sort of regulation for the rest of the industry. So yeah. this will be something they go and promote, saying that they're making the world safer <laughs> for everybody, and nobody's heard of library or has probably dealt with it. Um, and you have Celsius and Voyager and everything else going on in the world in the SEC. I don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, that FTX is supposed to be happening in October. Are they preparing for that? I have no idea. No, the SEC haven't like giving themselves a victory like that with a hundred and eleven thousand dollar fine instead of actually tackling Coinbase, which has, I mean, there's got to be several million retail investors tied in between stock uh, stockholders, people who hold ETFs that have stock, and then people that hold crypto within Coinbase. So you're talking about millions of people to protect on one side and then maybe a thousand or two. I don't know how many people are in library that I've never heard of. So, yeah, that's it, it's like when the NCAA goes after uh, uh, small schools and, and smashes them with penalties for uh, for like paying players or something and or getting small benefits. And they just ignore the football factories that are like throwing thousands of, or tens of thousands of dollars in people's pockets yeah. before the NIL, before the, before the NCAA <laughs> actually lost all their control. It's, it feels just like that. Like it's a, it's like a, 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 a organization that's supposed to have influence and control and they're just struggling to hang on. But crypto, crypto and Bitcoin is just moving too fast for the SEC. Yeah. So we talked, uh, 
a few weeks ago about Bitrix saying they were going to leave the U.S. And after they came out and said that, the SEC sent a Wells notice to him saying this is going to be a problem. So Bitrix just filed for Chapter 11 in the U.S. and said, screw it, we're done. Yeah. Uh, they're still a global company and they'll still keep working outside the U.S., but they just said, forget it, we're done in the U.S. And then uh, on top of that, Binance actually said we're leaving Canada. So the regulations with the Canadian government are just becoming so ridiculous that Binance said we're done here in Canada, which is crazy because the CEO of Binance is a Canadian citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, guess what, guys? Like, there's enough money and there's enough intelligence in crypto and in Bitcoin development that if you don't play ball, they'll just move to another country that will. And there's plenty of those out there. Oh, yeah, a ton of those. I mean, you, you talk about, I think we've talked about Zimbabwe and their interest in doing some sort of digital currency. They just sold 14 billion Zimbabwe dollars in a gold-backed CDBC. I think it's a CDBC or a cryptocurrency. But that 14 billion is tied to just over 139 kilograms of gold, right? So it's it's not a full one-to-one. Um, I think what I saw is based on what it's being sold on the market, it equates to somewhere around 30 something million dollars oh. in, in US dollars, whereas the gold is under 10 million US dollars that it's that it has like nine point something, right? So that's definitely not a one-to-one. -one. The IMG warned Zimbabwe against this thing and be a problem. But right now I think it's, they're tying this 362 Zimbabwe dollars, the one US dollar right now, and they're hoping that this will help their economy, right? I mean, it, I mean point, Zimbabwe's got nothing to lose. Yeah. Like if, if Bitcoin or if cryptocurrency can help stabilize Zimbabwe's monetary policy and inflation and everything, uh, there's definitely some, something there. You know, I, I feel like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is a solution for a lot of problems and until countries or companies or people get it to a certain point where they're forced into trying it it's just kind of like a solution waiting for people to to, to use it and so like yeah if you're zimbabwe people have like trillion dollar zimbabwe notes in their wallet for fun because at a certain time that was like four bucks and yeah. so uh, to me if cryptocurrency can can help zimbabwe all right, now if they, they, you know, their backs against the wall. So okay, if it helps Zimbabwe and another country, Venezuela, Turkey, Lebanon, all these countries that are having really hard times with inflation. Okay, well, it kind of worked for Zimbabwe. Let's let's do better than they did, right? Like let, let Zimbabwe can be their own sandbox, and then the next country can can try something else. But yeah, it kind of stinks that as a country, when you make the decision to try something that might help your country out that you got to swim upstream against the IMF and all of these agencies in the United States, like El Salvador, there's, there's U.S. legislation that's being proposed to monitor El Salvador's Bitcoin experience. The, uh, Bukele came out and said, I can't believe the United States even cares what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're exactly right, man. Like, El Salvador should be able to try something. And they should, you know, if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, what they had before doesn't work either. So, I mean, you, you, now you've got two things that don't work, so you can try a third thing. But 
until until you give it a real shot, you don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. So speaking of giving it a shot, Florida was in the news here recently. Uh, I don't know if you saw DeSantis just passed a bill to ban CDPCs in Florida. I saw that. I don't know how that works, but. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm interested to see how that happens. But the other thing that was really intriguing, Kathy Wood came out and said that there are rumors being discussed that Florida is trying to work with the banks to allow crypto company, companies to exist in Florida. And if that happens and they become kind of the first state that really focuses on letting all this happen, that could be a huge boom for their economy. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at what Florida did for COVID, like Miami is booming because you had a lot of Silicon Valley people moving to Miami. The Bitcoin conference was the first conference globally after COVID, also in Miami. So like you're seeing some economic success. So why don't you just keep opening that spigot a little bit more and and keep cranking it up? Because when it comes to debt, right, you're you if you can grow your economy, it gets easier to pay that debt. So this is what this is what countries and states need to do. And, you know, Florida, Texas, were big winners in this whole covid, you know, flight from tyranny and and state control out of California and New York. So, you know, once they get a little taste of that success, that it's real easy to be like, yep, that's who we are. We are uh, like a state for, you know, pro-freedom, pro-progress. Let's uh, let us let it keep happening. And then you and once you get branded that way, like you're going to get more people moving in. And it's the people you want moving in, right? Innovators, uh, intelligent people that are creating businesses and and trying new things because it's when it comes to these these companies these startups and stuff you get one really successful one 20 failures don't matter right like one six one success erases this so yeah you 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 just want to be you want to be that incubator well it's funny you mentioned texas because texas is also in the news here recently they just passed a i don't know if it's a bill or whatever but they're giving rights to digital assets so they they think digital assets should be part of your your normal bill of rights. So that's pretty exciting to see that they view digital assets as a right for anybody else to to hold and own and be part of their their rights. So excited to see that. And then they also had a mining bill that they passed that is, I mean, I guess we talked about the U.S. government kind of going after miners, Bitcoin miners specifically, and and adding this thirty percent tax. Well, what Texas has found. And it, we, I think you had mentioned it in the past, was all this overflow gas that was just getting burnt up. They were using that. And because of being able to use that to mine Bitcoin, it had something like a 63% carbon reduction. Right. So they are a huge fan of utilizing Bitcoin to help out with the overall environment and make it better for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got Texas also has a lot of wind and the wind blows at night when you're not using as much power. So they're from a from a grid standpoint they probably got a lot of undispatched power so they there's a lot of good reason for texas to have uh to, to be friendly to bitcoin yeah well they continue to be one of the the more friendly states out there for sure yeah no, i mean like it makes sense i mean it's texas likes prosperity right they if you look at where how they do things with energy if you look at how they do i mean they're they're open to everything austin Dallas, Houston have all been booming in the last decade or so. You can't really say that much about a lot of other states. It, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Texas is a huge oil and gas state, though, too. 
Yeah. And they are very pro-Bitcoin, whereas Wyoming is also a huge oil and gas, and they are trying to eliminate almost, just trying to eliminate electric vehicles too, right? They, they don't want that to be anything <laughs> that happens in Wyoming because they want to protect the oil and gas. So well, Wyoming, Wyoming as, a, as a Tesla owner and driver, Wyoming would be like the worst place to own an electric vehicle, right? It's freezing cold. Everything's super far, far away from each other. Like there's, it's not ideal for electric vehicles in Wyoming. I mean, like a, a two hour drive to go grab groceries, you know, like uh, not great if you're, uh, if you're in an electric vehicle. So electric vehicles aren't, don't solve everybody's transportation problems. Yeah, but there's no reason to ban them. No, nah, right? you're, you're probably right. That is, that's probably a political statement anyway. Yeah. So some other interesting news in this space, we talked about Ethereum and what, a month or so ago, Ethereum had a the ability to actually release some of the coins that were staked, right? And everybody was worried that since it had been so long, since Ethereum has allowed people to stake their coins, people were just going to run and grab their coins and, and leave. And if you look at all the data that you're seeing, what they found is that for the most part, people are not taking the, the principal coins that they've staked. They're just pulling out the rewards, right? So only about 5% of what's been pulled out of this, the staking pool has been principal. The rest of it has been all rewards. So it's actually people are saying that now that you could actually get your money back out, it's not maybe a bad thing at all. And that will hopefully turn into more institutional investment for the Ethereum network as well. Yeah, that's kind of like living on dividends kind of mindset investor capital and then just uh just pull up pull the gains yeah so the other one that's kind of interesting for a wider range of issues worldcoin is has announced they're almost on the verge of getting about a hundred million dollar funding to fund their, their their coin going global and making it something that the rest of the world can use i don't think you actually do it in the us or at least they they don't highlight the us on their on their map on their website but worldcoin is interesting because it was founded by the one of the ceos or the ceo of openai right and a couple of other guys as well What's intriguing is he wants this world coin to be open and available for all, yet that was kind of the reason OpenAI was funded and as a open AI, hence the name, and now they've taken it in, internal and made it for profit. <laughs> it said, it's not open for everybody. You got to pay for it now. So to guess to make things better, he's trying to come up with this other form of currency that will enable the rest of the world to get along um and I, I guess the the plan is it's somewhat airdrop this hundred million dollars of of money to people around the world and theoretically worldcoin is gasless and i'll be intrigued to see what happens with it but it is very close to rolling out the interesting piece to all of that though is actually it's getting rolled out on polygon so a layer two on ethereum right with almost no gas and I don't know if I would call it gasless, but it is definitely very low gas compared to Ethereum. Um, so that's kind of exciting to see. I don't know if it's a good thing because the other part of all this is the way that it confirms that you're a human is by scanning your iris. <laughs> yeah, the, the WorldCoin just feels like a private CBDC. Yeah. It's like that's uh, like even when it came out years ago, and they were talking about retinal scans and this and that. And I was like, this sounds awful. Like you can't even vote for people or vote people out of office if they manage it wrong and if they abuse your privacy because it's a private company. So 
I'm not inclined to uh, to get jump into WorldCoin. It doesn't. It it, it also just doesn't feel like it's going to work. Yeah. So what they have said is that they don't s- store the iris pictures, right? But they store a hash of it that can be used later on to confirm the <laughs> yeah, right. matches, right? So it's almost the, the exact same thing, and uh, it, it's one of those. Uh, I don't know how what the ties are to the World Economic Forum, but I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if there wasn't a very well, close yeah. tie. If it becomes successful, just the wrong people can buy it, and then they can say, "Oh yeah, you can't spend your world coin because you drive a gas-powered vehicle," or you, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, oh, you tried to spend your world coin, you can't do it because your your iris scan matches a hash that's flagged for inappropriate use or whatever. Some other news: so Stellar is one of the main companies that is trying to create a inner country exchange system right so ripple stellar they're both kind of going after the same thing they just announced their new version of payments called decaf and they're partnering with moneygram right so pretty large uh player in the regular space today and it'll be intriguing to see how this turns into a, a project that people continue to use on web three or if it is something that it's more smoke and mirrors and it's just kind of a, an announcement and nobody's actually going to use it but that'll be interesting to see how that goes because moneygram is like a profitable company western union competitor and the crypto inter-country uh transfers are super cheap relative to the fees that they see if you don't make a change you're gonna get beat so I don't know how MoneyGram changes their their entire business around cutting their margins and, and all that, but you can either wait around and lose really slowly, or you can try something and maybe win, maybe lose quickly. You know, they they've got to do something. They're 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 uh, kind of dead in the water, whether they know it or not. Yeah, with the goal being transaction speeds that happen in seconds and for pennies, that will literally change the game in that space of people oh, yeah. sitting around the world, right? So and and right to their phones, yeah. In, so, instead of instead of uh, having to go to the MoneyGram counter, you know, thirty miles away to get cash. Yeah, so it's exciting to see. Hopefully, it turns into something that is actually useful by a lot of other people too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that goes along with the Zimbabwe stuff that crypto can solve problems. You just need to go do it, and it's good. Like MoneyGram doesn't. They're not. They're not feeling the pressure of their problem. Western Union. I don't even know if they know they have a problem, but they've got to do something. And you might as well try something. I mean, it's you know, crypto can solve your problems. Maybe maybe you pick the right crypto. Maybe you go with Bitcoin or whatever. But or Lightning. These financial companies need to understand they've got to do something. They got to try something. Like Zimbabwe's got to try something. Lebanon's got to try something. And so that'll be even if they use stable coins. Uh, at least they'll be able to zip dollars quick. And cheap that'll be that 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 stuff to me is worth watching like that's a really low-hanging fruit solution uh that crypto can can provide and you know you're talking about so there's there's i don't know tens of millions 100 million plus people that are sending currency from from working in one country sending it back home and they gotta be it'd be great to be able to send for those folks to send 50 bucks at, for a nickel instead of having to spend you know, save up and wait for, to spend 200 bucks so that they don't have to pay like a $10 service charge to send 50 bucks. Right. So yep. like, I think, I think that's a, I, I, the customer base would really want it. So companies, you know, there's a, there's a demand. So companies should probably meet it. We'll see. I mean, if you're MoneyGram, you don't know 
anything about this stuff. So it's going to take a while to kind of to ramp up and be convinced that you can do it. And also you're going to have to be like, look, we can either go out of business in 10 years for sure, or we can try to make this work so that, you know, there's something left. Yeah. EOS was in the news here recently too. If you don't remember EOS, they were one of the largest ICOs, I think ever Uh, about 4 billion, I think is what they sold many, many years ago. And uh, then I want to say they're almost running to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the people that are running it just took it the wrong direction. I have been seeing a lot of or hearing a lot about them lately. And with what they're doing, it, they're trying to become what connects everything together in the future. That's almost the way that I would describe it. And they expect to be a top 10 coin in market cap in the next year or two, which is kind of interesting. And is it possible? Possibly. Um, but they just announced that they released their beta version of the EVM compatibility with Ethereum. So now theoretically, you can use EOS to work on the Ethereum blockchain, which is what everybody is kind of shooting for, right? Since Ethereum is the largest. And once you get that, then you can start to connect everything else too. And now you are a very important glue <laughs> in, in helping keep blockchain together. Yeah, I mean, this that's outside of my normal stuff. I'll just, we'll, we can just move on. <laughs> So the other thing that was kind of interesting that I saw, and I'm not sure how much you heard about this, there was a Q&A with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, I think last week. And one of the questions that a 13-year-old girl poised posed to them was what they viewed as what was going to happen to the U.S. dollar and if it really loses its world currency and uh, where do we go from here? And the message that Warren Buffett gave was, I mean, I listened to it and it didn't really make much sense. It was pretty much like, oh yeah, uh, the U.S. currency will lose its reserve currency one day, but there's nothing else that I see that could take its spot. And I don't really know what's going to happen. We're just going to sit back and wait and see. <laughs> and, well, when you're that old, <laughs> yeah, let's sit back and wait, man. Let's yeah, it'll take be, 10 years. I'll, I'll be dead by the time that happens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Saylor was on a podcast with somebody and they asked him about it and he pretty much slammed Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. And he's like, I mean, they sat there and said, you can ask me financial advice and I'll give you some answers. And he was like, man, they don't even give the possibility of Bitcoin being an answer or a, a concept that is something they could look at. They've already said it's rat poison and there's no reason to ever look at it yet. It's exactly what's what's needed. So it was an interesting clip to go listen to and you can kind of go search for it and listen to michael saylor's perspective but um between that and i think some of the stuff that jack dorsey's been talking about here lately it's there's a lot of positive things going on in the bitcoin space on on how it can help now we talked earlier it's bitcoin probably isn't at the point yet where it's big enough to become a reserve currency but the reserve currency isn't going to happen. The new reserve currency isn't going to happen next week or probably even next month. I mean, we're looking at years or a decade or more down the road. And by that time, there could be a possibility. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with a 13-year-old asking a 90-year-old about projecting things into the future. Like the 90-year-old's never going to see the, the U.S. dollar lose reserve currency status. The 13-year-old has got a real good shot at seeing it in her, in her lifetime. So your investment thesis has to be very different if you're a multi-billionaire that's 
with you know that's that's not going to see 2050 and we're a 13 year old girl who's got her head on straight enough to be in a situation to ask warren buffett a question so yeah i mean i think that everybody's considering bitcoin as a part of a strategy to avoid financial loss when when things get weird there was a there was a, a survey that asked retail and institutions you know what where would you invest or what would you run to in the event of of the US dollar well it was about the US debt ceiling that's approaching you know cuz whenever we have this problem it, markets get really volatile stock markets decline and the number one was gold it was like 58% more or less of of retail and and institutional investors were like yeah we'll, we'll, we'd move into gold second was US treasuries which made no sense to me because you're talking about you know the US potentially defaulting on its obligations, which are U.S. Treasury, so I don't, I didn't understand why people would go to that, and that was like fourteen percent. And then after that, like ten percent said um, said Bitcoin, um, and so that was like tied for third, really, with the U.S. dollar. And then after that was uh, Japanese yen, Swiss franc, and some other fiat currencies. So you're talking about it's 2023, and Bitcoin's already up there in the discussion with as a top three. You know, place to to escape to safety if you have global financial problems. And as a person who owns Bitcoin, that's great news because as money flows into Bitcoin quickly, the price escalates fast. Because if you look at the if you look at the market cap of gold, it's about twenty times what Bitcoin is. If you look at the market cap of U.S. Treasuries, I guess that's sixty times as large as Bitcoin. So for every dollar that flows into Bitcoin, you get 60 times the impact to the market cap as compared to what goes into treasury. So if you're if 15 percent of people are buying treasuries and 10 percent are buying Bitcoin, Bitcoin's price shoots up. So that's you know, that that Bitcoin's being strongly considered as a place to go if if global currencies start to have problems. And for that 13 year old girl, she needs to consider that. Right. Even if it's just a couple. even if she has a thousand dollars, she needs to consider like a hundred dollars going into Bitcoin. Uh, if if she's concerned about the U.S. dollar collapse and things like that, for the ninety-year-old, yeah, who cares? You got a billionaire. You're not going to run out of money, Warren Buffett. Like, it doesn't matter what he does. So, so yeah, I I, I think it's wildly unfair to that girl to to not get a a comprehensive response from somebody who's thinking about her situation and not theirs. And I, I think. I think the older you are, just the, the less inclined you are to look at Bitcoin as a serious investment. But when you're young, you've seen, like for us, we were invested for the 2008 financial crisis, for the COVID nonsense, for this uh, crazy inflation period. And so, yeah, it's like you're looking at everything. You're, you, everybody's mind should be totally wide open to investments right now because we've seen real estate go up and down, you know, which for people who are older, they see real estate basically just go up. Their 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 real estate investment dip was a small dip. For us, like it took 10 years for for my first house to break even from where I bought it to to where I sold it. So that's a huge difference. Whereas if you started buying real estate in the 70s, oh, who cares, man? My my real estate's up 700% even with a small dip from 08. So, you know, the, the, your age does impact what you should be investing in. And and I think that Warren Buffett should be giving advice based on based on that and not 
discount, like not just saying, oh, if it's not the U.S. dollar, it's nothing. Like, guess what? If it's not the U.S. dollar, everybody's going to be competing to be the world reserve currency. And China's definitely going to try to do it. But it, it'll probably, for, for a period of time, it's going to be multiple different assets. And eventually some of them will shake to the top. So yeah, I think I think that's I think that's bad advice. It's crazy to me going back to that survey where Treasury bills are number two, and Japan is if it's somewhere in the top five, right? I mean, if you right. look at the debt to GDP, the U.S. is in a horrible position at well over one hundred percent. Japan is like two x way that, worse. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so like, well, how does Japan even come into the mix of being something that you look at? I mean, it just that amazes me. And it, I think it goes back to just education with all this stuff in general. And and for the most part, the general public has kind of buried their head in the sand and and not tried to learn it. And I, I know I have a link on in the show notes that if you want to go learn about Bitcoin specifically or crypto in general, go do that. Go. Find a way to start doing your own research on crypto so you can understand. And and that's why you're seeing Bitcoin being one of those top three of where things are going, because more people are learning. Right? I mean, it, it's getting to the point where it doesn't make much sense for many other things to become one of the, the top conversations other than Bitcoin and, and maybe gold. Yeah. And, and you can tell it's like it's just momentum. Right. It's like all these investors that have all this experience, they always fall back on gold and treasuries in the U.S. dollar. And so. A large percentage of these people and these institutions, they just go back to whatever worked last time. And yep. that's great if everything's the same as it was last time. But if it's different, if if the if the US dollar loses global reserve currency or if the US defaults on its obligations, it's not the same as it was last time. And treasuries are crap. Right. Uh, and and uh, even in 2020 and 2021, everybody's, you know, like treasuries are half a percent, one percent. Banks are still buying treasuries, right? Because it's the it's the the zero risk way of doing it. And then twenty twenty two hits, and they start raising rates, and people are still buying treasuries, and nobody's selling their treasuries. And they wait and they wait and they wait until it's four percent, five percent. Now the bank collapses, right? You really gonna take advice from guys that d didn't see interest rates being a problem for them, even though they're holding mortgages at two and a quarter and 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 t bills at at one percent like guess what they're not good at investing money so don't don't listen to them don't buy treasuries if you think that the united states is going to stop paying off its debt which is treasuries like it, it's it, it is just people just want to outsource their investment strategies right they want to get a financial advisor and they don't want to think about it because they've got a job making widgets and they want to focus on making widgets but man you spent all your time making that money and then you give it to somebody that's dumb and is going to invest in something stupid. When all honestly, if you spend 40 to 60 hours learning about Bitcoin, you're going to learn so much about treasuries and global macroeconomic uh, policies. And you're going to understand so much more about how money works in 60 hours. You know, you, if you, if you throw a guy, you know, your, your life savings, that's 20 years worth of your hard work. Right? What's forty or sixty hours worth of research? Right? You can sit, you, you can sit and watch a baseball game on TV and and surf the internet and read blog posts and figure it out. But people won't do it. They'll they'll when things get weird, they'll buy treasuries and 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 rush to cash, even if the weirdness is cash is failing. Yep. Well, so let's talk about something on a more positive note before we end this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, especially okay. since I'm I'm sitting on cash because I'm like waiting for things to crash. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, okay, I'm a, I'm a dummy too. Like, yeah. So going back to looking at the future, um, one of the things that I, I think people are going to start to see, and, and I know I've been a big proponent of NFTs in the past, there is a new form of NFT that I think we'll start to see in the near future called an X NFT. And I, I don't even know if you've heard much about this, Al, but nope. Uh, what you have today is pretty much a an nft that is a token right and the nx x nft what it changes is it allows you to run an application from your wallet so it's it's adding some smart contract type capabilities into the nfts which enables it to do a little bit more and and interact a little bit more with with the system so the problem with this is it's still pretty new and nobody really understands it very well. And there is yet to be anybody that's released anything from an NFT perspective. But an example of how this could be used, since um, some of us probably have a lot of experience on this, is Netflix, right? If Netflix gave everybody an X NFT where you would have to run Netflix from that NFT, that would reduce. Uh, one that would give you access to your Netflix, but it would reduce the amount of password sharing that Netflix has, right? So they constantly are saying that they're going to start cracking down on all this password sharing. But if you had to have this XNFT in your wallet, and if you wanted to watch Netflix or and you wanted somebody else to watch it, you'd have to transfer your XNFT, then all of a sudden you're giving up the capability of doing that versus you owning it and, and running it directly from your wallet. So interesting concept still a little ways from from becoming let's say reality because there's i think people are still trying to figure out how to utilize it but it is that just that next generation of nfts that will hopefully enable even more from an nft space yeah so, that's interesting yeah so something to keep on everybody's radar and as i continue to find out more i'll, I'll definitely pass it along but it's exciting to see see that nfts are actually improving as well yeah i mean like i like the ones that have a real world application like like here's the problem it can be solved with this solution right like you talked about e EO, eos connecting with ether and that just sounds like a computer science experiment where it's like hey can we connect this thing to that thing like it's not like a, a concrete problem to solve but netflix would pay decent money to say hey look we want it for every paid user we want to distribute three xnfts they can share those three with whoever they want because that's what they've got, but they can never log in more than three times or three different entities can't log in uh, more than three can't log in at any time. And if they do, then they have to pass them around because like, okay, for 1099 a month, you get th three people can log in. Like that's, yep. that's the deal. But when you're sharing passwords and stuff, it's real tough to, to monitor how many people are logging in and all that. So I, to me that there's a problem there. It sounds like there might be a solution. So it's got a shot. And then it, it could possibly help out a lot from a security perspective, right? So instead of having to log into something and verify it, you're running that application directly from the NFT and you don't have to worry so much about a third party because it, it's running from that NFT, right? So it, it could make things a lot easier. I mean, you've, you've heard about some of the uh, board Ape Yacht Club owners losing their NFTs because they interacted with the wrong thing or pressed the wrong button. This this changes all of that, right? So it, there is no third party that they have to go interact with. They just do everything out of the the X NFT. So, hmm. yeah. So quick story. Uh, I was on a vacation 
and on my Uber ride home, I left my phone in the Uber. And so I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have, I had nothing. So I was borrowing my friend's phone. And so I was like trying to log into Uber while I had like two factor authentication in on the Uber app. So like I couldn't log into my email because I had two factor authentication on my email. So I was just locked out of everything. Uh, and so whenever I'm like, yeah, okay, XNFT sounds great. You'd have it on your phone and run an application. It's like, you leave your phone in that Uber and you're toast, man. Like you, like you can't do anything. I ended up having to find my iPhone with uh, my buddy's iPhone and tracking it down. It was a, it was a, it was a wild ride to get my phone back because I was locked out of everything because I needed my, I needed to be able to check my email or I needed to have Google Authenticator. I need to have something that was on my phone and I didn't have my phone. So that's something that now I'm thinking about. Like it's great when everything's on your phone. It's so easy, man. It's like, oh, just it's a, open the app. You leave your phone in that Uber, man. The, the, all of that starts working against you really quickly. Lots of things to think about for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, well, maybe you can get the new Solana phone that just came out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Does it work ninety-two percent of the time? Uh, well, it works, but it just doesn't connect to the Solana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's all that I had. Anything else on your end? No, I think that's good. Awesome. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Al. All right. Sounds good, Jason. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.